0: Can we choose not to sin? That's the question we're discussing today on The Hero of the Story, presented by The Gospel Project. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of The Hero of the Story, a podcast to help you explore the big story and big truths of Scripture. I'm Aaron Armstrong, and with me is Josh Hayes. So, Josh, once again, it is Thursday. And uh, that means that we are talking the big truths of scripture. So uh this one is a particularly big one because it's gonna cause some consternation. Uh because it used because
1: I used a big word. Oh yeah. I'm sure people will be caught up in your word choice of consternation as opposed to the actual topic today, which deals again with sin. We've been we've been on a, a succession of uh of sin after we've we've talked about regeneration and repentance, the remedies for sin, if you if we could put it that way. And then now we're uh for the past couple of weeks been talking about the uh, the effects of sin or the the imagery and scripture used to talk about sin. And so today as you kicked us off by asking the question, um, can we choose not to sin? We're gonna be talking about how we are actually enslaved to sin.
0: That's right. That's right. So what we're gonna do is what we always do we're going to start off uh, by explaining that essential truth. We're going to we're going to see where we find this in Scripture, and then we are going to talk about some of the implications. So, when we talk about being enslaved to sin, this is what we mean. Because of the fall of Adam and Eve in the Garden, all of humanity has inherited a sin nature that inclines them towards sin and rebellion. Human beings are enslaved to sin continually living with the propensity to transgress God's commandments whenever possible. It isn't until one experiences salvation through the work of Christ that he or she is able to overcome in sin's enslavement through the power of the Holy Spirit. So uh, there's a couple of much simpler ways that we can explain this. The first is this, that and it comes right from it comes right from scripture. This is a good paraphrase he, here that uh, actually Josh you provided, um, which is that no one can serve mas- uh, two masters. Without Christ, sin is our master. So we are always either going to choose to serve God or choose uh, to serve something else, and that something else is ultimately sin. Um, and so that's one way to describe it. Another is that because of what happened in the fall, we are by we by default serve sin rather than God. And then we'll see how this gets a little bit deeper from there, because um, enslavement here is is a tricky word, particularly when we're because of our context and thinking about, you know, just in general, anytime you talk about slavery, it brings up imagery of chattel slavery. Right. What the slavery that sin condemns us to is a diff- is of a different sort generally. Before we get there, let's talk a little bit about where we see this in scripture. So how about you hit the first couple and then uh and then we'll go from there.
1: Yeah, uh going back into the the Old Testament what would have been uh the presumed thinking about how sin affected things um going forward in the world since since the fall. What happened because of adam and eve's rebellion in the garden how did that affect uh, humans that came after them as they were cast out of life with god in the garden what would have been the the good life they were they were exiled and consigned to live life uh, apart from being in the the presence of, of god's favor and blessing as they were created to be and that's that sin has corrupted us it not only condemns us to be under the uh, the, the curse of sin the wages of sin is death it not only Brings about that penalty, but it brings, but it brought about corruption. It affected all aspects of our our being. So we're we're infected with uh, sin's effects, and that's that's one way that this slavery to sin um, is is evident. That's how that's how it that's how it emerges in our 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 behavior. And and David reflects on how sin has corrupted us, and even thinking about how from inside the womb he was infected. with sin just by merely being a human being with with god's curse on our, our lives as we've had since that that initial rebellion in the garden so psalm 51 verse 5 a classic proof text used to ground this idea of, of sin being spread uh, to all humans through adam and 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 so on uh indeed i was guilty when i was born i was sinful when my mother conceived me so David's not saying that a child has phys- physically committed sin in the womb, but they are nonetheless affected and infected with sin and already given to sinful tendencies from the from the womb. Uh, this is further evidenced in Psalm 58, 3, where it says, the wicked go astray from the womb, liars wander about from birth. So this lying behavior that we see in humans that didn't get its origin at some point in life because of some tragic experience. No, this is something that's already been in them from uh, the womb. Jesus employs this imagery, this metaphor of slavery when it comes to sin, when he's speaking with with the Pharisees and the scribes and the leaders who question his authority, question his identity as he's claiming to be. Uh, the, the son of God, the, the true and new Moses, the son, the son of David, when they were trying to publicly confront him and catch him in some sort of um, misstep, uh, Jesus confronts them and talking about his identity and then talking about theirs as well, their own spiritual lineage and spiritual uh, condition. And here he says in uh, John 8, uh, verses 31 through 36, uh, John writes, then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So there's liberation language of being set free from this bondage that is sin. Verse 33, you have the Jews reply back to him, we are descendants of Abraham, they answered him, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say you will become free? Jesus responded, truly, I tell you, everyone who commits sin, is a slave of sin a slave does not remain in the household forever but a son does remain forever so if the son sets you free you really will be free so just because they had a strong religious and ethnic heritage stemming back to abraham that didn't mean that they weren't in bondage to sin on a spiritual level, just like all humans are, whether Jew or yeah. Gentile, Jesus is getting at that and how we need to be liberated from that. Uh, maybe I'll just re- read one one more here uh, for, for time's sake. Uh, Romans 6 employs this imagery of uh, this Exodus language and how Jesus rescues us from uh, the bondage of sin. And that's in mm-hmm. uh, verses 16 through 18 of Romans 6. Paul writes, don't you know that if you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you were slaves of that one you obey, either of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. But thank God that although you used to be slaves of sin, you obeyed from the heart that pattern of teaching to which you were handed over. And having been set free from sin, you became enslaved to righteousness. So Paul is showing how we have one of two masters, either we're slaves to sin or we're slaves to righteousness. There is no in between. There is no neutrality in Christ. We're slaves to righteousness. We have a new identity and, and, and a new nature, but all of us prior to coming to, to faith in Christ and his transforming supernatural grace at work in us, we we were actively uh, slaves, slaves to sin.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And um, I mean, there are there are other passages that we could go to as well, like Titus three three, Romans. Uh, I mean, Romans has a huge chunk. It's probably the most exhaustive um, text about uh, about this particular doctrine. We see it in Romans seven fourteen through fifteen. We see it in Romans eight one to four. Uh, we see it in chapter six, as you just mentioned as well. Um, and the point there is is that when we when we think about this this language that is is present, we it's not uh, this is not just a one-off type of thing. This imagery is highly prevalent in the Old and New Testament, which means that we need to pay close attention and we need to,, um, we need to recognize our bondage to sin for what it is, bondage. As opposed to saying, looking at it and saying, "Well, this is just purely," um, you know. So there's a. Let me. Uh, so there is a an a very old heresy <laughs> called um, Pelagianism, which is the denial of which, which functionally is is this belief that everyone has a uh, a, new, a spiritual neutrality to them right right so uh choosing uh, choosing to choosing to sin or choosing to obey God and freely and entirely um where what scripture points us to in its reality is is that there is a true enslavement by nature because of the first sin um and so uh that's what we really need to we do need to remember here. We do choose to sin and we we are morally responsible for the choices that we make. But we have to rec- but we do have to recognize that this reality is there and present um on on uh, on that very real metaphysical level
1: right right yes yeah. sin has its own consequence and it, how it made us self-destructive with self-destructive tendency so it sends its own consequence and that it gives us over to sin so part of the curse and and mm-hmm. you know this god gave the ground over to fertility and strife uh is is that it's more difficult not to sin because of sin in fact it's inevitable that we will sin because we mm-hmm. became sinners as a result of uh, Adam and Eve's rebellion and in, mm-hmm. in, in the garden and how that affected us on a personal, and as you mentioned, even metaphysical uh, level.
0: Yeah. Well, and and the other side of this too is, is and this is what makes the enslavement to sin so twisted, is that um, this, and, and really what makes it different from, because I mentioned earlier that there's this tendency anytime that we hear the word, you know, enslavement or slavery or anything like this, that we, uh, we immediately, uh, that it brings to mind imagery of chattel slavery in, uh, particularly in the United States, um, but in just right. in the Western world as a whole, um, the reason this is different is, is because this is a slave, this is enslavement to something that we actually love. And yeah. so, yeah. Because uh, the scriptures are really, really clear that it's like people love darkness and hate what's light, mm-hmm. so we love to do evil, we love to sin, and that's why we sin. But we're enslaved to what we, what we, lo- what we think we love, mm-hmm. as well. So that has to be at the the foundation of what we understand about. This, uh, particularly as we as we want to go deeper into uh, exploring and unpacking this as well, and how the gospel affects and and transforms us and frees us from this enslavement. So, uh, so Josh, how about you? Uh, how about you hit hit us with the first uh, first bit of knowledge that will be helpful for us?
1: Yeah. Well, one thing when you're reading about this this concept of, of sin uh being depicted as bondage and as, as as slavery is understand where that imagery is coming from in scripture and, and why why it's why it's there so salvation in christ it provides us with the deliverance that humanity has, has desperately needed uh from the bondage that is sin, since that the curse came upon a creation as we mentioned, but it's vivid it's also this bondage is vividly depicted in the life and history of Israel and their their spiritual struggle. Even when they've been given favor by God and receiving the promised land, living in the land, given his life giving law that shows him how to shows them how to live righteously and, and, and wisely um in, in God's world, they nonetheless struggle uh to to obey God. And it's this this sin nature that has infected them just like it has all humans. So that that Exodus language uh, that's there, that's you know, from the Exodus event described in the in the Old Testament and Israel's being uh, being delivered from the bondage that they experienced in in Egypt. That's applied to uh, people spiritually, showing that there's something more than just physical or political deliverance that w- that we we need. That there's a a core problem that uh, is at root to all the surface level problems. Uh, so physical, political bondage, something like that, is really just evidence that there's something else in trapping and ensnaring uh, humanity. So this Exodus language that the New, Ta- New Testament authors uh, pick up and use to talk about enslavement uh, from sin is is their way of talking about salvation from what ultimately is is plaguing and and and, and trapping uh, humanity. We need to be freed from sin, and so you think about as we read in Romans six that we're freed from sin's power. That's this Exodus liberation language applied to our salvation. You think of uh, here. I'm going to mention several passages from from Paul's letters in Colossians one verse thirteen and fourteen. He talks about how uh, the Son. Jesus has rescued us from uh, darkness and delivered us into the kingdom of his, uh, of of the beloved son. Uh, You think of Galatians 1 uh, verse 4, it says that Christ Jesus delivered us from this present evil age. So again, uh, deliverance language tied to Jesus giving of himself, which that also ties with this suffering servant language, that it's going to be some type of self-sacrifice by this servant messiah figure depicted in in Isaiah's songs at that in that section of Isaiah from about you know chapters 40 through 54 uh but the suffering servant in Isaiah 52 and 53 uh, has this freedom of bondage idea through the to the righteous servant giving his life on the behalf of the of the of the many and then you have redemption uh equated with the forgiveness of sins in ephesians 1 7 so our redemption you know being bought for a price being brought out of a oppressed situation that's equated with the forgiveness of sins on the ultimate level the core level uh this this bondage that humanity experiences isn't just something on the surface level it's at the core of all our our problems and so these passages highlight that and that there's an ultimate type of redemption and deliverance that comes in Christ uh, that we need rescue from sin's enslaving power. And that does affect us spiritually and then how sin affects us physically and, and socially uh, and in and various ways that we might see uh, in, a, in a more overt sort of surface uh, manner. That's really just highlighting how sin on the, on the spiritual level has this, has this enslaving power.
0: Along with that, um, one thing that we need to understand as well is, is that uh, because the gospel truly does deliver us from our enslavement, um, we can also get very frustrated with the fact that we keep sinning. And so, in that, we we do need to remember that that while the gospel does truly and fully deliver us from sin, that uh, our experience of that deliverance doesn't happen all at once. Um, I mean, think about the, those multiple aspects of salvation that we've talked talked about before: uh, regeneration, uh, uh, just a few weeks ago. Um, where we are where we are born again, we are made a new person, a new creation in Christ. Um, in our justification that we are freed from the penalty of sin. In our sanctification, we are freed from the power of sin, both immediately and progressively. Mm-hmm. Um, and in glorification, we are freed ultimately from the presence of sin. Um, objectively, right now, this is what that means. objectively, Um, from a legal, from, you know, if you want to use legal categories, legally we are free from sin and its penalty, but subjectively um, its power we still feel its power and its presence. Um, It still has, and it still has um, has a lingering effect on our lives. I mean, think about uh, think about it this way. When you are um, when you're trying to break a hab an old habit, or develop a new habit, or develop a new one, um, the the effects of of habitual lifestyles, um, you know, and you know, I, while I've never smoked, um, you know, I know I know a lot of people who do, and. Um, some of them have, have described how, like, like I can see that just periodically they'll, they'll just start fiddling with their fingers by their lips. And, uh, as if they're holding a cigarette there, Mm -hmm. um, and it's just, it's habitual. Um, some people dream of, of smoking, (laughs) um, even, uh, because they, because they enjoyed it (laughs) so much. And so that is, those are those are some of those those habitual things that your your body's having a response to and a reaction to and and it's remembering those things. Um, but you know, turning it toward toward scripture, um, think about the Israelites during their wilderness wanderings and how periodically they would, despite the fact that they were horribly oppressed and horribly mistreated, there. Um, they would, they would periodically just wistfully start saying, oh, remember when we lived in Egypt and we had all the meat that we wanted and things that weren't even true. Right, <laughs> um, right. they uh, they, they were going through Stockholm syndrome before Stockholm was a place. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and so they, and so they would be like, well, let's just turn around. Let's just go back. And, uh, and, they were, they were believing a lie because it was easier to, to believe that what they knew, um, it was easier to believe what they knew rather than trust God in what they couldn't see. And so they, so Christians likewise, although we're no longer enslaved to sin, we're still affected by it. And so, um, I mean, this is why this is, this is why we see you know the old man new man imagery in in scripture i mean you know going back to cigarettes for for a second um it's why um if you have ever rent been an apartment dweller um or rented a town home or anything like that if someone who lived there smoked you know um it's just like how if someone had cats you know <sighs> because us. it stinks and cats are evil but
1: um, <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're definitely evidence of bondage bondage and sin.
0: Absolutely. They hate you and they demand everything from you. So um, I think there's a perfect illustration there for, for sin. <laughs> so anyway, uh, before we go too much farther, what is one other thing that we need to know before we start talking about the differences this doctrine makes?
1: Well, always when we're talking about sin's effect and uh, on people and how it uh, affects Uh, all of what we are, that doesn't mean that everyone is sinful as they could be. Often when we're having conversations about human depravity uh, because of uh, man's fall into sin, uh, people think that that must mean, well, we understand everyone who ever lived to be as bad as they possibly could be, but actually the contrary is the case. They're actually a lot better than they would be apart from, God's uh, intervening uh, grace in the world, both co- both common and saving. Common grace refers to this uh, reality where God continues to, uh, bl- to bless a world that's in rebellion ag- against him, such as providing rains, crops. Jesus refers to the idea in the Sermon on the Mount when he says that the rain falls on both the just and the unjust. They both get water for their crops. And so, God's restraining grace is at work in the world so that people aren't as bad as they could be because we see when it's the exception, when God does the opposite of giving people over to their sinful desires, like we've talked about in previous episodes, Romans one eighteen through 32, talks about this this degrading um, sort of scale or cycle that people can fall into as they... As they um, as they become more and more entrapped in certain types of sin, God gives them over to corrupt thinking and to a to a base mind to uh, experience the outworking the consequences of of these of these sinful uh, desires and, and behaviors. So, God is normative, normatively operating in a way where people aren't as bad as they could be, but nonetheless they're they're still enslaved. You might have some slaves might be better behave than others on, on a surface level or according to whatever cultural standards uh, might be present to uh, to measure some someone's behavior but but we're all slaves in the in in the end when it when it comes to sin until we are liberated by by God's grace but not not of all of us are uh, equally evidence this enslavement if we we can put it that way there are different levels of depravity that we can um, sink to as, as described in Romans 1 so all of us are pervasively infected uh, with sin and affected by it uh, but that that manifests that shows up in each person and even in society uh in, in, in different ways so in saying that all people are enslaved to sin on some level doesn't mean everyone's equally sinful or mm-hmm. that they're all sinful in the in the same ways or as sinful as they could be to to, to revisit that language
0: Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, you think about it on a societal level. I mean, our our obsession with personal freedom in uh, in in the United States uh, can't is actually a manifestation of this um, Mm -hmm. because it's the pursuit of self as the as the highest order most often, where in my home country of Canada um our pursuit of conformity above all else or at least our pursuit of not being of you know being very proud of ourselves for not being american um is also equally um an enslavement to sin because it leads it leads us to often have a diminished and disrespectful
1: view of our neighbors to the south right right yeah it's a it's a fine balance to walk because there's idolatry both ways whether you uh, prioritize um individual independence and liberty or conformity for the for the common good the conformity can uh as an end in itself can just be be this other form of identity that you're enslaved to and that it becomes a fear of man issue because you don't want to not conform or else you're going to stick out like a sore thumb as 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 they say you're going to draw attention to yourself in a negative way so then that becomes your whole motive and seeking the common good, which really isn't that selfless in the, in the end.
0: Exactly. And that actually leads us into the differences this doctrine makes because one of those, one of those things has to do with conformity, um, in that, um, when we, when we properly understand this doctrine, um, we have to recognize that Freedom from sin's captivity cannot be found merely by uh, pursuing um, pursuing moral reform. Um, so, both personally and societally. Right. Um, um, nor can it be found simply by the by um, the pursuit of political correctness. And so, while we should be striving to be more morally upright, um, to be good, good citizens, good neighbors, good everything. um, While we should desire to be stable, kind, helpful people. Um, As we talked about actually in our Sin is Selfishness episode, uh, people are people will ultimately default to serving themselves because their motivation is something other than glorifying God if they're just looking to be more better or to be nicer or to be um, or to be more co- politically correct um, and we see a lot of that in our society right now with the way that um, certain language is changing and um, now some of it needs to change because it's it's genuinely disrespectful and hurtful. Other times, it's it's just um, going along with the the winds of culture. Um, but in that, we have to remind ourselves again that um, trying to improve one's character by self will is does not make one less of a slave to sin to our ultimate problem. Only the grace of Christ can liberate us in the truest and most final sense. Um, Though some of us even uh, may actually be better behaved than others due to the various things that we do to reshape our character. So externally, we can improve ourselves, um, but, but ultimately the problem remains. The same is true, um, again, the same is true on that societal level. Um, consent to political views, uh, consent to uh, consent and conformity doesn't make someone more or less a slave to sin. Our slavery to sin is is really comes down to what we turn to is what we turn to when uh, we make good things ultimate things and, uh, we act as idolaters because again, all sin is idolatry.
1: Yeah. That, that can, that's, a, that gets back to what we were saying where, you know, this balance politically is uh, hard to come by when it comes to choosing to prioritizing individual liberty or uh group can, can conformity. Both of those are good things in themselves to mm-hmm. pursue, but when you make them ultimate things, that's when it, it not that those things are bad, but that's a bad thing to do. And you, uh, Augustine, had this language of when we uh, worship things that should be used, that's idolatry, and then we use things that should be worshipped, that's that's also idolatry. So all things are to serve the end of glorifying God, and if we do that, we'll be loving and serving our neighbor as well. So that's the sort of the secondary benefit of prioritizing god and worshiping him it's going to be for the for the for the good of our neighbors that's where, where we can find uh, balance in and life and how we uh seek to to lo- love neighbor and as a way of not succumbing to to sin's uh power uh, mm-hmm. for, for christians so when we make things that are good things but not meant to be ultimate things things that are to be used for god's glory and end in themselves that's where idolatry creeps in. That's where we're seeing sins enslaving and snaring power uh, because we're, we're choosing something that's not the ultimate good, which is God. God is the source of all goodness and life, and anything that we see that's good is just reflective of His and needs to be surrendered and used to to His glory as opposed to trying to make God an end to those things as, as, as endeavors in themselves, whether it be uh, certain political views or you know uh pursuing a healthy lifestyle um, make, making friends raising children uh, becoming more financially responsible we can oftentimes especially in America where, where we see a lot of uh, consumeristic Christianity can make God a, a means to an end rather than God worship of God is the is the greatest end for us you think of that first question in the Westminster shorter catechism what is the chief end of man or the updated language, what is man's primary purpose, and that is that it's to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's the highest purpose. So all things should serve that end, not that serve any other end. So we sh- another thing we want to take away is that we should remember that when we proclaim the gospel, we're, we're proclaiming the only solution to this enslavement to sin problem. We're announcing to uh, slaves like like we once were so nobody's above this being enslaved to to sin but we're announcing to them how they can be free here are the terms by which you can be free from this servitude uh to to sin uh, as, as we we've, we've talked about jesus life death and, and resurrection they accomplished an exodus the true and ultimate exodus for god's people and liberating us from sin's captivity and we're we're inviting others to join in with it with this exodus just as a great multitude it says in the the exodus account join with uh Israel, as they departed from Egypt, is a great multitude left with them. So there were people from other nations and places in Egypt who left with them. They weren't the majority, but there was nonetheless a, a mixed multitude. Well, we're seeing that on an even greater scale, greater ratio when it comes to the church of Jesus who is freed from sin. We're seeing people from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation uh, come to be among God's one covenant people in. Christ, And so when we proclaim this gospel, we're saying, come on and join the party and join this trek out of bondage and into liberation and the full liberation that we'll experience when Jesus returns in the new heaven and and, and new earth. And so our hope when we announce this message, like we said, um, political correctness, moral reform, uh, self-improvement, those aren't going to make us not slaves. We need something to liberate us. And that's what the gospel announces to us is the the ground and the means of this deliverance from slavery. Our confidence isn't in our own ability to rescue anyone from being enslaved to sin or in their own ability to overcome uh, being in bondage to sin, but rather our hopes in the sovereign, omnipotent power of the Spirit to use God's Word to realize and actualize freedom from sin in real people who are sinners in need of this this redemption so those of us who follow christ we're already on this exodus journey as i I mentioned and we're inviting others to to come along for this and leave behind the kingdom of sin and darkness with us by submitting to a new and better master who is jesus the the servant king who gave himself to rescue us from sin
0: Man, that's a great uh, great word to end on. So thank you for, for chatting about this. And thanks, everybody, for listening to today's episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed it, please do leave a sincere five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to the show. And for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.